Decision podcasts are brought to you by the New York Prosecutors Training Institute. Find this and other decisions at NIPT Law. www.nipt.org slash law. The People v. Daryl Watts, decided February 22, 2024. Kanataro, J. The Sex Offender Registration Act requires that every person convicted of a sex offense be given a risk-level classification corresponding to their assessed likelihood of recidivism and potential danger to the community. This risk level, in turn, determines the scope of information available to the public concerning the offender. To protect against erroneous classification, judicial determination of an offender's risk level can occur only after the offender has been provided notice, counsel, disclosure of relevant information and an opportunity to object and present evidence at a hearing, at which the people must prove the appropriateness of the classification by clear and convincing evidence. An offender's risk level is also subject to re-evaluation on an annual basis. The primary question on this appeal is whether due process precludes a court from determining a sex offender's risk level when there is a possibility that the offender although represented by counsel and provided the other protections listed above may lack capacity to fully comprehend risk level assessment proceedings. We hold that the many safeguards already provided under SORA minimize the risk of inaccurate risk-level classification and adequately balance the competing private and state interests in these civil proceedings. 1. In July 2011, Defendant Daryl Watts was arrested and charged with various offenses, including sexual abuse in the first degree and assault in the second degree, after he knocked a 66-year-old woman to the ground and attempted to rape her, see Penal Law Sections 120.05, 12, 130.65, 1. Defendant, who suffers from severe schizophrenia and psychosis, was responding to internal voices and claimed that the victim was chosen for him. Six days after his arrest, a competency examination was conducted pursuant to CPL Article 730 and Supreme Court determined that defendant was not mentally fit to stand trial. He was therefore placed in the custody and care of the Office of Mental Health, OMH, where he remained for more than five years and underwent six additional competency examinations. In February 2017, after he was examined for a seventh time and found competent to stand trial, defendant pleaded guilty to sexual abuse and assault. The court sentenced him to a determinate term of incarceration of six years, followed by ten years of post-release supervision. Defendant's sexual abuse conviction subjected him to the registration and classification requirements of SORA, see Correction Law Section 168A, 3, A, 168D, 1, A, 168 liter, 6. In anticipation of his 2017 release from incarceration, the Board of Examiners of Sex Offenders, the Board, prepared a Case Summary and Risk Assessment Instrument, RAI, recommending that defendant be classified as a Level 2, moderate risk, sex offender. On the date initially scheduled for the SORA classification hearing, defendant's new attorney requested and was granted an adjournment to familiarize herself with the case. Because he was due to be released imminently, the court gave defendant a provisional level 2 designation without prejudice to reconsideration, on consent of the parties. At the next hearing date, counsel informed the court that defendant had been transferred and confined to an OMH facility for treatment pursuant to Mental Hygiene Law Article 9. His mental state was unstable and deteriorating such that OMH staff did not feel comfortable transporting him to court. Based on conversations with her client and OMH staff, Counsel expressed concern that defendant would not be able to understand the nature of the SORA classification hearing or the requirements of the Act. Relying on the language of SORA, counsel argued that the hearing should be adjourned until defendant's release into the community. Alternatively, counsel argued that although, defendant, 
doesn't have a full set of due process rights at a SORA classification, hearing, he does have some due process rights, and therefore asked the court to order a competency examination before proceeding with classification. The court briefly adjourned the hearing without deciding these issues. At the next hearing date, defendant was unable to appear due to a conflicting court appearance relating to his Article 9 confinement. Although Supreme Court expressed its view that a competency hearing was not required to proceed with SOAR risk-level classification, it granted another adjournment to give defendant an opportunity to attend in person. The risk assessment hearing finally took place in October 2017. Defendant was physically present, but his attorney maintained that he was unable to understand the nature of the proceedings, the RAI, or his obligations under SORA, and reiterated her request for a competency hearing. Counsel further argued that it was premature to conduct the hearing because defendant was still confined to an OMH facility and would not be released into the community for an indefinite period of time. Citing People v. Paris, the court rejected defense counsel's argument that due process requires a competency examination prior to a SOAR classification hearing. The court then proceeded with the hearing and formally adjudicated defendant a level 2 sex offender. The appellate division unanimously affirmed. Defendant appeals to this court as of right based on the existence of a substantial constitutional question, CPLR 5601, b. 1. 2. The fundamental principle at the core of the Constitution's due process guarantee is that when the state seeks to take life, liberty or property from an individual, the state must provide effective procedures that guard against an erroneous deprivation, People v. David W. The bedrock of due process is notice and opportunity to be heard, David W. However, the United States Supreme Court has made clear that due process is a flexible requirement, cautioning that not all situations calling for procedural safeguards call for the same kind of procedure. Morrissey v. Brewer, see also Medina v. California. This court has recognized that SORA classification proceedings are civil and not punitive in nature. Thus, although the state must provide more than mere summary process at a classification hearing, the safeguards required are not as extensive as those required in a plenary criminal or civil trial. People v. Boxing, internal quotation marks omitted. Determination of whether a particular safeguard must be provided requires consideration of three factors, one, the private interest that will be affected by the official action, two, the risk of an erroneous deprivation of such interest through the procedures used, and the probable value, if any, of the additional or substitute procedural safeguard, and, three, the government's interest, including the function involved in the fiscal and administrative burdens that the additional or substitute procedural requirement would entail, Matthews v. Eldridge, David W. We begin, then, with consideration of the private interest at stake. This court has recognized that SORA registrants have a substantial interest in not being stigmatized by classifications that overstate their danger to the community, David W., see also People v. Knox, Dovi Pataki. More than name-calling by public officials, a SORA risk level, is a determination of status that can have a considerable adverse impact on an individual's ability to live in a community and obtain or maintain employment, see David W., quoting Paul V. Davis. Specifically, when a registrant is classified as a level 2, moderate risk, or level 3, high risk, sex offender, they must register for life, and information about the registrant appears in a public internet directory, correction law sections 168b, 6, 168 liter, 6, b, c, 168 q. Classification as a level 3 sex offender also subjects a registrant to more periodic verification requirements, and to the residency restrictions of the Sexual Assault Reform Act, SARA, Executive Law Section 259 C, 14, C People X Rel. Rivera v. Superintendent, Woodbourne. 
Thus, SORA risk level classification implicates a private liberty interest and triggers due process safeguards, see David W. Nonetheless, this liberty interest does not rise to the level of a fundamental right or trigger a requirement that the state shield a sex offender from the social stigma flowing from their criminal conviction or an accurate assessment of their risk to the community, see Vega v. Lance, Knox. For that reason, although the liberty interest at stake here is not to be discounted, it is more limited than the interest threatened by a criminal proceeding, where an innocent person may be inaccurately branded a criminal and subjected not only to unjust stigma but the complete curtailment of liberty through a prison sentence. The second factor to consider is the risk of an erroneous deprivation of the private liberty interest as a result of the procedures used, and the probable value, if any, of additional or substitute procedural safeguards, David W., citing Matthews. Although SORA classification is a civil rather than criminal undertaking, courts have required and this state has long provided a panoply of safeguards aimed at protecting registrants from erroneous SORA classifications, Cito v. Pataki, see also sponsors memorandum, Bill Jacket. L. 1999, Chapter 453 at 4, amending SORA to cure the due process deficiencies identified in Pataki. SORA risk levels are based on factors developed and applied in the first instance by an agency practiced in evaluating such matters, the board, and then tested at an adversarial hearing before a judge, Correction Law Sections 168 Liter, 5, 6, 168N, 2, the registrant is entitled to an attorney at the hearing, including one appointed by the court if the registrant is unable to afford an attorney of their own choosing, the registrant and counsel must be provided advance notice of the hearing, the board's recommendation, its basis, and any contrary assessment by the people sufficiently in advance to allow a meaningful opportunity to prepare a defense, the registrant is entitled to pre-hearing discovery of material relied upon by the board in making its recommendation, the people must prove, by clear and convincing evidence, that the assigned classification is warranted. The registrant must have the opportunity to appeal the classification, and the registrant can seek modification of their risk level once per year with the right to counsel at the modification hearing for as long as they remain registered. See generally Pataki, David W., Boxine, People v. Lashway. Defendant argues that his incompetency prevented him from taking full advantage of these protections, from being truly present at the hearing, and from assisting his counsel in preparing a defense. He therefore asks us to supplement the SORA procedures by requiring a competency examination when it appears that a registrant may lack capacity to understand the risk level assessment proceeding. In addition, he suggests that, upon a finding of incompetency, the SOAR hearing and appropriate risk level designation would either be foreclosed or postponed indefinitely, see pairs. Defendant has not demonstrated that his proposed safeguard which amounts to exempting incompetent registrants from SORA classification for the duration of their disability would meaningfully reduce inaccurate risk-level classifications, even if the robust existing procedures leave gaps through which a rare incompetent registrant might fall. If anything, defendant's proposal seems certain to create inaccuracy, especially with respect to registrants who meet the criteria for heightened risk levels. It would result in every incompetent registrant including those who could justly be adjudicated level 3, high-risk, offenders, being treated more favorably than a level 1, low-risk, offender regardless of the particular circumstances or risk to the public, see Doe v. Sex Offender Registry BD. Hereafter Doe, Massachusetts, due process does not entitle, incompetent, offenders to greater protection than that afforded their competent counterparts. In contrast, it is far from inevitable that incompetent registrants will be misclassified when courts follow the ordinary procedures, particularly given a registrant's right to counsel and the people's heightened burden of proof at a classification hearing. Here, no showing was made that postponing defendant's classification would have resulted in him being adjudicated a level 1 offender, 
rendering the value of the proposed additional safeguard conjectural rather than probable, see Matthews. And even admitting the possibility of an initial misclassification, defendant can still seek modification of his risk level on an annual basis, see Paris. This being the case, defendant simply has not shown that exempting incompetent registrants from SORA classification for indefinite periods is necessary or likely to make this civil process meaningfully more reliable or accurate, see Doe, Massachusetts, concluding that the robust, adversary character of the classification process minimizes the risk of erroneous classification, even when a defendant is incompetent. The final Matthews factor requires us to consider the public interest in the administrative and societal costs associated with the additional proposed safeguard, Matthews, C. David W. Obviously, conducting a psychiatric examination and additional hearing to determine a registrant's mental competency would impose additional burdens on the government, as would the task of continually monitoring registrants found to be incompetent over indefinite periods to determine whether they have regained fitness and can be accurately classified. In this case, it took over five years and seven competency examinations before defendant was found competent to stand trial, a time frame that could have been extended even further had he elected not to plead guilty. Beyond the financial and administrative costs, the state also has a compelling interest in protecting its citizens by promptly notifying the public of registrants who pose a heightened threat of recidivism, see Pataki. Delaying the classification of incompetent registrants threatens that interest, in that it risks that some dangerous registrants will be released into the community for lengthy periods without accurate risk-level designations or public notice. Defendant and the dissent dispute this point, noting that offenders must still register with the Division of Criminal Justice Services at least 10 days prior to their release, however, risk-level classification determines the scope of information available to the public upon registration. Because the online sex offender database lists only level 2 and level 3 offenders, Correction Law Section 168Q, members of the public who search the database will not be informed of a registrant without a risk level, regardless of the actual risk they pose. The dissent asserts that the state's interest in protecting the public is not advanced by classifying offenders while they are in OMH custody under MHL Article 9. However, defendant has never limited his due process argument to his specific situation. Rather, Defendant argues that it is unconstitutional to classify any incompetent registrant during the period of their disability. As Matthews itself holds, procedural due process rules are shaped by the risk of error inherent in the truth-finding process as applied to the generality of cases, not the rare exceptions. The dissent is also selective in its analysis of the effects of MHL Article 9 confinement. Just as Article 9 confinement shields the public from offenders, it also shields offenders from the public and its stigma which cannot in this context impact any offender's ability to live in a community and obtain or maintain employment, David W. Further, although it is possible that an offender may be denied placement at a particular residential treatment facility, such as a nursing home, as a result of their risk level, this merely reinforces that an offender's risk level is useful in determining which custodial settings are suitable, and to avoid placing a potentially dangerous offender in an inappropriate facility. In the end, Although the consequences of misclassification to registrants when they re-enter society are sufficiently serious to warrant more than mere summary process, the state nevertheless maintains a compelling interest in an expedited process without the burden of a new adversary criminal trial and its greater concomitant due process protections, see Pataki. As we have further recognized, the due process clause simply does not mandate that all governmental decision-making comply with standards that assure perfect, error-free determinations, Prince v. Wolf. Quoting Mackey v. Montreal, what is required is a process that reasonably balances the competing interests at stake, see Tulsa Professional Collection Services. Incorporated v. Pope, 
the focus is on the reasonableness of the balance. Balancing the Matthews factors, we agree with the weight of authority that the state's substantial interest in efficiently assessing registrants' risk to the community outweighs that of incompetent registrants to a delay of SORA classification during an indefinite period of disability, see Paris, Accord State v. Con, Doe, Massachusetts. Our conclusion that incompetency does not preclude SORA classification is fully consistent with jurisprudence in analogous contexts. In matter of Lopez v. Evans, this court held that due process requires that a parolee be competent before the division of parole can adjudicate an alleged violation of the terms and conditions of their release. But as the appellate division recognized, there are significant distinguishing factors between parole revocation proceedings and SORA classification hearings. Most notably, parole revocation proceedings are punitive in nature and their purpose is to adjudicate wrongdoing, the consequence of which may be a defendant's reincarceration. Paris, C. Lopez, clearly salient our constitutional concerns about the fundamental fairness of a proceeding in which a defendant who is unable to make decisions about his defense may be returned to prison. In contrast, SORA classification hearings are not intended to serve as a form of punishment, and incarceration is not a potential consequence of SORA classification in and of itself. That restriction of liberty can occur only if a registrant later violates the rules applicable to their classification at which point additional procedures must be followed before the registrant may be penalized by incarceration. The people more aptly analogize this situation to the multitude of civil proceedings in which comparatively greater private interests are threatened, but which under current law may proceed notwithstanding questions regarding a party's competency. These include civil commitment proceedings under the Sex Offender Management and Treatment Act, SOMDA, see for example, Matter of State of NYV Daniel, United States v. Comstock, Cert denied, matter of care and treatment of Oxner, matter of debt. Of Morgan, Moore v. Superior CT, Commonwealth v. Burgess, People v. Weekly, State X Rel. Nixon v. Kinder, Federal Immigration Removal Proceedings, Munoz Monsalve v. Mukasey, Bru v. Gonzalez, Nehao Wong v. Imagre. And naturalization serve, and termination of parental rights proceedings, matter of Joyce T. In addition, the appellate division has held that an order of protection can be issued against an incompetent respondent in a family offense proceeding, see Julie G. V. Eugen G. Under defendants and the dissent's logic, incompetency would prevent the state from issuing such orders for the protection of domestic violence victims because they place, the respondent, in jeopardy of criminal prosecution in the event the respondent proceeds to contact, or harm, the subjects of the protective order. Due process has not been held to require competency determinations in these types of proceedings even though they can result in civil confinement, deportation, the severing of family relationships, and the threat of future prosecution and it therefore follows that due process is not offended by the failure to hold a competency hearing before determining which of three risk-level classifications should be assigned to a convicted sex offender, see Paris. The dissent's broader assertion that there is no need to balance interests under Matthews because the courts and the legislature have already struck a balance favoring a competency requirement finds no support in statute or case law. We cannot presume that the legislature contemplated a CPL Article 730 equivalent for SORA through silence, or through the provision of basic procedural safeguards like notice, counsel, and a hearing held on a specific timeline prior to a registrant's release. The decision to foreclose the classification of incompetent registrants during the period of their disability would create very real administrative burdens and public safety risks which do not exist under the current scheme and which must be weighed against the conjectured additional benefit to incompetent registrants.
Our decision today respects the need for flexibility and limiting principles outside the criminal context to facilitate the government's ability to protect the citizens of this state whose interests may come into conflict with those of incompetent registrants. Balance and pragmatism are not antithetical to fundamental fairness, rather, they are essential to the administration of justice and demanded by the Constitution, see Lassiter v. Department of Social Serves, instructing that what fundamental fairness consists of in a particular situation cannot be determined without assessing the several interests that are at stake, see Morrissey, to say that the concept of due process is flexible does not mean that judges are at large to apply it to any and all relationships. Its flexibility is in its scope once it has been determined that some process is due, it is a recognition that not all situations calling for procedural safeguards call for the same kind of procedure. For these reasons, we reject the argument that defendants' due process rights were violated when Supreme Court declined to order a competency hearing before adjudicating him a level 2 sex offender. 3. Defendants' counsel also argued below that the classification hearing was premature under SOAR itself and should not have been held while defendant remained civilly committed to a no-MH psychiatric facility pursuant to MHL Article 9. More particularly, counsel argued that the SORA Act itself says that the SORA hearing should be held before someone is released, and that the most sensible reading of that requirement is that the hearing must occur at the time, the registrant, is actually being released into the community, not merely upon release from incarceration. We disagree. SORA's plain text and structure authorize risk-level determinations, 30, calendar days prior to a registrant's release from incarceration following the completion of their prison sentence, regardless of pending civil commitment proceedings, see Correction Law Section 168N, 2. The statute does not require courts to indefinitely postpone SOAR classification until a registrant's release from civil confinement, and doing so would inject a degree of uncertainty into the classification process not contemplated or intended by the legislature. Unlike a registrant's release from incarceration, a registrant's release from civil confinement does not typically occur on a date scheduled far in advance, it is premised on changing conditions and can occur abruptly or on short notice. Given that unpredictability, defendant has not shown that it would be possible for the board, district attorney's offices, and courts to reliably comply with a carefully developed SORA classification process instituted to protect both the public and registrants' due process rights if the various deadlines and milestones in that process were to be measured from release from civil confinement. Accordingly, the order of the appellate division should be affirmed, without costs. Order affirmed, without costs. Opinion by Judge Canataro. Judges Garcia, Singas and Troutman concur. Judge Rivera dissents in an opinion in which Chief Judge Wilson concurs. Judge Halligan dissents, would apply the Matthews v. Eldridge balancing test and, doing so, reversed for reasons stated in Part 3 of the dissenting opinion. Decided February 22, 2024. Decision podcasts are brought to you by the New York Prosecutors Training Institute. Find this and other decisions at NIPT Law. www.nipt.org law.